All right. Well, hello guys. Um, I'm going to do a sermon a little bit differently because we're out of town and there's no service. So I'm going to just record this ahead of time. It is, what's today? The 29th. Right? Yes, 29th. Wednesday the 29th. Um, so I'm, I'm uh, recording this ahead of time, and I just wanted to, you know, kind of uh, still give you guys something to chew on while we're gone, um, and uh, still serve you, and um, still tell you about Jesus and how good he is. So, first things first, I'm going to give you a list of songs, and out of that list of songs... I want you to listen to those songs, pause this podcast, and go listen to those songs um, to kind of get your heart right and make sure that you're still worshiping the Lord, even though we're not in um, community together. Um, But as you guys know, worship is not a means to get you ready for a message, but it's it's a lifestyle, so I still want to invite you guys into that. So I'm going to give you four songs, um, pick and choose as you please. Uh, there's just, there's a couple of my favorites and they just kind of tie into what we're actually going to be talking about, um, for this message. So first one is called nothing like your presence. And it's by a guy named William McDowell. Um, and it's listen to the uh, how long is it? Fourteen minute version. Uh, it's awesome, and I think there's one on YouTube if you uh, if you want to do it that way as well. Um, but it's called Nothing Like Your Presence, and it's by William McDowell. Um, they got trumpets and everything in this song, and it's just really cool. Um, your guys' generation would probably call it uh, a banger. Which I don't really know what that means, but I think it means it's good. So, next song uh, is called Remember. And it's by uh, the Torwaltz. And their last name is spelled T-O-R-W-A-L-T-S. And it uh, there's a great acoustic version up on YouTube as well, um, or there is uh, it's on Spotify, and it's like the album cover is like this blue sky with a yellow like piece of fabric in the air. I don't know what that symbolizes, but it's called Remember, and it's by um, Brian and Katie Torwalt. Okay, then the next one it's called Always Good. And it's by the McClures, M-C-C-L-U-R-E-S. And make sure you don't forget the the. And they're in, like, the album cover is this cute little couple dressed in the same clothes. And the song's called Always Good. And it's by the McClures. Okay, and then the last song is called Pieces by Stephanie Gretzinger. Gret Zinger, okay? Uh, It's a great, great song. Um, All of these are great songs. Pieces by Stephanie Gretzinger, okay? 
Um, so now would be a great time to pause this so you can get into it um, and then turn it back on and we can, uh, we'll go through this, uh, this little message together. Alrighty. So pause. Great. So, um, love that song by Stephanie Gretzinger. It's an incredible song. Um, but let me just start off with just a quick prayer um, for us, and then we'll we'll dive in. So, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, you would bring clarity um, through our uh, through my mouth and through our speakers um, as we listen to this, um, so that we can be drawn closer to you and understand a deeper depth of who you are, Lord, um, so that uh, we can continually grow, grow in relationship and understand more and more about your desires here on earth and how we can partner with you. Uh, so, Lord, we love you. Um, thank you that you have given us technology where we can still have community um, even when uh, certain people are out of town. Uh, we love you, Lord, and we give, uh, we give ourselves to you day in and day out. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. So I want to go through um, this, uh, this one chapter of Genesis 30. Um, as you guys have already known, because you clicked on this, um, this is called Jesus is Faithful. Um, and I want to, uh, to kind of digest Genesis 30 together. So I want to read it all um, at the beginning. And then I'll highlight some things throughout, but it's just going to be a lot of talking um, and uh, make sure that we're reflecting on what truths the Lord is trying to illuminate to us in this story. So um, first thing, I want to talk about kind of two perspectives and two angles out of this um, and then bring it all back to who Jesus is as part of this story, um, because that's our uh, that's our goal. Yes. Nobody can reply to me when I say yes now, so it's going to be really tough for me. Okay, Genesis 30. Let me read it. Um, Follow along with me. Uh, And yeah, here we go. When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. She said to Jacob, give me children or I shall die. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God? Who has withheld you the fruit of the womb? Um, Then she said, Here is my servant uh, Bilhah, I think is how you say her name. Um, Go to her so that she may give birth on my behalf, that even I may have children through her. So she gave him her servant Bilhah as a wife to Jacob went in to her. Um, verse 5. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged me and has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she um, called his name Dan. Um, verse 7. Rachel's servant Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, with a mighty with mighty wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister and have prevailed. So she uh, called his name um, Naf, Naphtali, I think. Naphtali? Yeah, sounds right. Verse 9. When Leah saw that she had ceased bearing children, she took her servant Zilpha, or Zilpah and gave 
her to Jacob as a wife. Okay, so do you see here what's going on here? Leah is Rachel's sister, and now that now Leah is giving um, her sil her servant just like um, Rachel gave her servant. All right, so um, verse ten. Then Leah's servant Zilpah um, bore Jacob a son, and Leah said, "Good fortune has come." So she called his name Gad. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. And Leah said, happy am I, for women have called me happy. So uh, she called his name Asher. Verse 14. In the days of the wheat harvest, Reuben went, to, went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, "Please give me some of your give me some of your son's mandrakes." But she said to her, "Is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you would you take away my son's mandrakes also?" Rachel said, "Then she may lie with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes." When Jacob came from the field in the evening, Leah Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come to me, for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night, and God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore God, Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my servant to my husband. So she called his name Is Issachar. Verse 19. And Leah conceived again, and she bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will honor me, because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. Afterward, she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph, saying, May the Lord add to me another son. Verse 25. Um, as soon as Rachel had born, uh, uh, sorry, as soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children, for whom I have served you, that I may go, for you know the service that I have given you. But Laban said to him, If I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages and I will give it. Then Jacob said to him, You yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you, had had, for you had little before I came, but it has increased abundantly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? He said, What shall I give you? Jacob said, You shall not give me anything if you will do this for me. I, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and every spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for, for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. 
Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs is found with me, shall be counted stolen. Verse 34. Laban said, Good, let it be as you have said. But that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white on it and every lamb that was black, and put them in charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar, poplar, I don't know how to say that word, why, poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the of the flocks and the troughs that is the watering places where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred, when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks and the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. Verse 40, And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the striped and all the black of the flock of Laban. But he, he put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. Whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus, uh, verse 43, thus the man increasingly greatly and had large flocks, female servants, male servants, and camels and donkeys. Okay, so I know that was a lot, um, and I'm not going to touch on all of it uh, because it was so much. I don't know if I could pack it all into one sermon, uh, but I want to pull out uh, I, I want to pull out some different perspectives and a couple different angles from this. Um, and I want to talk about what we can take away from Rachel in this story. Um, I feel like we can re resonate a lot with Rachel um, in this story. Sometimes we run into situations where we can't do anything to influence our situation, right? Just like Rachel, um, she was completely out of control. Um, she wanted to have a kid. I mean, it was, it was one of her big desires, but... I'm sorry, God is the only creator of life. I cannot create life. So she was not in control of that situation. Um, but we'll see um, as we kind of dissect this a little bit more. Um, despite her lack of control, she tried to control. Um, how often do we do that? Hmm. Okay. There are moments in our lives where we feel like I'm waiting. Or there's moments in my life where I feel like I'm waiting on God's blessing or provision over my life. And Rachel was doing this the same. But her jealousy really took over. Um, you see, Rachel saw in herself that she had to earn Jacob's love. Right? And she saw her only purpose was to bear a child for Jacob. And when she couldn't do that, she just... She just wanted to die. I mean, as we read in verse 2, she truly wanted to die. She couldn't have a kid, and she it got to this point in the conversation. Um, if you want to read a little bit ahead uh, or before this, um, you can read kind of chapter 29. It might shed a little bit more light on this. But um, 
in verse 1 and 2, she said, give me children or I shall die. Um, and that was her only purpose that she saw, right? She felt like that's where her worth was, um, was to have a kid, and that was it. Um, so when she couldn't walk in this identity she that she designed for herself, she became jealous. And that's when we see kind of uh, her sister Leah appear on the scene, right? Where uh, now that's it's almost like how uh, like governments have like an arms race. They were having a kid race, um, for lack of a better term. They were trying to see who could be who or who could have the most kids, um, which is kind of bizarre. Um, but I don't want us to get hung up too much on the logistics of what they were going after. I want to talk about this jealousy. Um, so when she couldn't walk in her identity that she chalked up for herself, she became jealous, right? Um, when we get jealous, we try to one-up that person, right? I remember um, I, uh, I used to play... Uh, competitive golf um in 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 my high school years um and if somebody was better than me i tried and tried and tried to one-up them um and tried to outplay them instead of play my game um i'm sure some of the athletes can resonate with that and i'm sure like well well that person has that thing well i need to go get that thing you know, part of our culture fuels this. Our our entire economy is fueled on this whole concept of covetousness and jealousy. We get consumed in that thing um, that I don't have, but maybe Kim Kardashian does or whatever. Um, and maybe this happens here as well, right? We go to long legs to get the newest iPhone or or the best thing because of our jealous spirits. Right, we'll stand. Some people stand in line um, to go get that new iPhone that just came up because it's got a third camera on it. Or some people stand in line. Oh, nobody stands in line for Samsungs, huh? It's awkward. Um, but aside from that, uh, we'll we'll leave that out of the podcast, maybe. Um, but you know, we stand in line for the things that we want because of this jealous spirit that has kind of that we've adopted sometimes um and i think it happens uh happens exactly in rachel's life here she decided to uh give jacob a substitute wife um which i know that sounds really freaking bizarre um and it sounded really weird to me too like why does this dude have two wives and why are they sisters um that's really weird um, and then it got weirder when they were like, here's my, here's a substitute wife. And yeah, but yes, that's weird today for us, but it was actually a kind of a common thing, uh, back, back then, um, especially the two wives portion. It was com common culture back then. Um, but this is what took place over Rachel's life of this seed of jealousy. Um, and she decided to give her servant, um, as a substitute to her husband, Jacob. Um, so it seemed that she was doing something. So it seemed that she was having more, that she was having more than her um, sister. 
And meanwhile, the sister was having all these kids and her sister's servants were having all these kids. And I'll, uh, I'll send uh, you guys a picture um, in the group chat of kind of the breakdown of how all of this played out. Um, it's kind of an interesting um, little flowchart of when the kids were born, but from who they were born, instead of that long, long list that we just read at the beginning. You guys hear Hazley in this? I don't know why she's whimpering like this. She's been in here quiet the entire time and now talking about Jesus. But, and then she goes like this. I don't know why she's acting like this. It's really annoying. Okay, so back on track. Um, so I've talked about how we compare um, ourselves to others in earthly manner. Um, and maybe we take the same approach to the Lord sometimes. Um, see, Rachel didn't understand Jacob's love for her despite her barrenness. Rachel felt like, felt like she had to earn Jacob's love. But Jacob just loved her because it was... Uh, because she was uh, his husband, you know, and I, I read um, in chapter 29 um, of Genesis um, and verse 20, if you just want to glance over there, um, it says, so Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed to, and they seemed to him, but a few days because of the love he had for her. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. It's beautiful. It's truly, truly, truly beautiful. Um, but the sad part is, is Rachel didn't understand her identity as a wife to Jacob. Instead, she saw herself as something much, much less. And when she didn't walk in her identity, she actually began to self-destruct and almost unravel herself. Out of her jealousy, she drove a wedge between her sister and her relationship. And, you know, when jealousy grows in a relationship, it usually divides those relationships. I used to have friends back in high school that I'm not friends with anymore because of jealousy um, and because it was always this um, this race to who was better. And it, it it drove that wedge between us, and now we've we've split. Um, all right. The other thing um, that she kind of that self destructed her was um, she uh, she was dishonest um, when she when she took her jealousy so far. Right. She started bringing her uh, her maid uh, maid servants along uh, to make it look like she was having the kid, um, so she started to lie um, to build this facade to increase this facade of I am the better one, I am I'm the more <laughs> I don't know how to say it I am the one who's producing more uh, for lack of a better term if that even makes sense. And then the third thing is she failed to recognize that Jacob's devotion was not dependent on her ability to have children. Like I said, she tried to earn Jacob's love. I hope that all makes sense. It's, it's a fascinating thing. And sometimes we take this approach with um, looking at each other's faith walks, <laughs> you know, like, well, well, so-and-so over there is just on fire for the Lord and they're hearing the Lord's voice and they're doing this and they they just cast out a demon the other day and all of these things. And then meanwhile, we're over here twiddling our thumbs and we're like, man, Lord, why have you left me? You know? <laughs> um, and it's fascinating. 
And then we start to drum up these stories and we start to become dishonest and we become jealous of these people who the Lord is using when instead we should celebrate it. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. Um, and then a quick quick little side note. Um, as I was studying this, you know, Jacob comes from the lineage of Abraham. So it goes Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. Um, and uh, they all had wives who struggled with having children. Um, and it's interesting to see how these guys actually reacted um, to the situation. So here's a different kind of angle that we'll take at looking at this, um, this piece of scripture that um, the Lord gave us. So Abraham kind of is the first in the, in the lineage. Um, and uh, Sarah was his wife and they struggled to have kids. Um, she was also barren. Um, and then what happened, similar to Jacob, which we'll talk about in a second, is um, Abraham started to have relations with the, with the maidservant of Sarah um, in order to have children, which then introduced this bitterness and jealousy into his family. And what's fascinating is Abraham, you know, used to be a guy named Abram, okay? The Lord loves giving new names with new life. And Abram was, uh, in Genesis 12, was given such an incredible promise over his life. Let me just read it to you um, real quick. It's in um, Genesis 12, and it's I think it's the first, first three verses. Yeah. Let me just read this to you. Genesis 12, 1, and it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, which, again, that is actually Abraham. If you continue to read, you'll see the shift, and I believe it happens where he gets his new name. Where does he get his new name? Uh, I just preached on this couple. I had guys retreat, so I should know this. Um, it's, sorry. And the Lord brought you Abram, Abram, Abram. Maybe it's 17? It's, it's like either 16 or 17. Yeah. Aside from the point, just to make sure that we're on the same page, Abram is, um, was for, uh, Abram is, um, is before Abraham, but they're the same person. Uh, I said that terribly, but you understand what I mean. All right, so verse 1 in, cha on, in chapter 12, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred, which is children, and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great generation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in all, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay, so it's interesting that even though this promise was spoken over his life, he still decided, well, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to fulfill, I'm going to fulfill this promise that the Lord has already spoken over my life and I am going to um, I'm going to have relations with my wife's maid servant. So it's fascinating. 
Okay, and then we see um, Abraham uh, gets the promise of the Lord. Um, he comes in the form of a, of a boy named Isaac. And then Isaac, as he grows up, he meets this lady named Rebecca, who is also barren. They get married. Um, and Isaac's approach to the whole thing is much different than his father's. And what happens is he prays for his wife, for God to give them children. A better approach? My opinion, yes. But, um, hey, whatever. And the cool thing is, God answered, gave Isaac and Rebecca twins, um, and one of them was named... Um, one of them was named uh, Jacob, obviously. But it's interesting that Isaac walked in his father's promise, right? Because he knew what was spoken over his father's life. He knew that he was the uh, that he was promised. He knew that um, the Lord prophesied about him as well because of the same family, uh, which is really cool. But then Jacob, we see as we just read, he took after how his grandfather Abraham and had relations with his wives and their maidservants, um, so that they could have kids. And then you'll see that um, uh, uh, Rachel um, and Leah were both fruitful, but Rachel was the barren one. And um, you'll see that uh, with this picture that I'll send you guys in the group chat, um, you'll see that Rachel had the, the last two kids. Um, of the entire uh, uh, of the entire family from Jacob okay uh, cool um, so I just think that's interesting Abraham Abraham had a promise in Genesis 12 God and God said and all the families of the earth will be blessed by you Abraham um, and I don't know about you guys but when I hear a word from the Lord that's to do my has to do with my family I I remember it I don't just forget that very quickly, and it almost seems like Abraham did, um, and it almost seems like Jacob did, where they tried to make it happen on their own. Does that make sense? But as we know, the Lord doesn't. The Lord says things that He really, really means. He doesn't just say something to say it. Uh, His word never returns void. So He really, really means these promises. So what do we do with all this? Do we approach God the same way Rachel approached Jacob? Where Rachel thought her only worth was tied up in her ability, not her identity? And what was her identity? Right? We know her true identity. A wife, a daughter of God, one who was loved. The identity she chalked up was one that needed to give Jacob kids in order to be loved. Do you feel like your lack influences God's love for you? Do you feel like your ability influences God's love for you? Do you feel like you've got to earn God's love? This is common thinking for our earthly mind. Because it's the way sometimes the people around us act us or um, train us so that we act in this way, right? When we get promoted at work, it's because we did the right things, right? When, we, when we're a good friend, it's because we served that person very well, so now they view us as a good friend. 
And we've been trained this way that we have to earn people's respect or we've got to earn God's love or God's trust or God, all of these things from God. And, and that's not the case. This, it's not true when it comes to God. When you were born, you were already hand-delivered these two titles. You were loved by God and you're a son and daughter of God. I'm sorry if you decide not to follow him. I'm, that's, that's still truth that was written over your life. Um, the, the moment that you were that you were conceived, the moment that you were born, the moment that you entered this life, the moment that you had a heartbeat, whatever you want to, wherever you want to start your uh, <laughs> start your timeline, that's what the Lord said. I love you, and you are my children. Correct. And um, then when we believe in Him and believe in him being God and Jesus being the Savior, then he hand delivers us these three truths of uh, you have a spot saved in heaven, uh, you're a beneficiary of heaven, and your inheritance is heaven. My dog is going nuts. I'm really trying to bring this thing home too. Just be good. Hey, could you please just be good? Okay. Yes, I know. It's Oh, there's a bunny outside. Oh, I hate bunnies. Okay, so do you understand that when we believe that God is God and he, and Jesus is Savior, he hand delivers us that we have a spot saved in heaven, we're a beneficiary of heaven, which means, the best way I can put it is like, um, with like a royalty. Uh, if you're a beneficiary of that, that means if everybody else were to die, you would have the reins on it. Um, the cool thing is we will we, never have to enter that spot, right? Because God is God and he doesn't die. <laughs> and he's very healthy and very alive. <laughs> um, but uh, just to paint that picture for you, that's what the Lord is actually giving you the keys of. Is if everybody died, you would get the keys. That's amazing. And your inheritance is heaven. And there is nothing we can do to earn God's love. Just like there was nothing Rachel could do to earn Jacob's love, right? In Ephesians 5, it tells us that we are the bride of Christ. And I love, I love that, um, that analogy and that, that, that symbolism there. And I love how it ties into this story perfectly is that um, Rachel and Jacob were husband and wife. And Jacob's love for her was so unconditional. It was so unconditional just the way Jesus' love is so unconditional for us. And I love that pairing that we are the bride of Christ and that he is our husband. I love it. Talk about it probably too much. You, probably, you guys probably get annoyed with it. But the beautiful thing is the provision of the Lord um, at the end for Rachel is two sons. Um, with Jacob named Joseph and Benjamin. Um, this is who the Lord is. He's a redeemer and he's a provider. God's ways are the best because his timing is the best. He's the creator. He's the one who knows best. If they waited and prayed, they could have bypassed, bypassed all of this jealousy and division just the way Isaac modeled right? 
I just love the way Isaac modeled this. He said, okay, well, I'm not God, so I'm going to wait. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask. You know, what if we were to take that stance on everything? I'm going to just, I don't know what the Father's will is in every single thing. So I guess I'll just ask and see if it comes to fruition. And we talked about this a little bit last week of, uh, you know, all I want to all I want to be is the person who asks. I don't have final say. When we try to take into our hands the final say, we turn into this jealous, this covetous, this this self fulfilling prophet kind of mentality of like, well, it's not my timing, so I guess I'll make this happen, God. Right. The Lord is good. He gives us his love endlessly and he provides for our every need and for every promise that he's spoken. He works all things together for good. So I titled this, Jesus is faithful. And you'll notice I didn't use that word faithful at all um, unless it was at the beginning or just a couple seconds ago. But he's faithful. He always comes through. He's not just up in the sky waiting for things to fall into place. He knows when they're going to happen, how they're going to happen, and um, what they are. Right. So when we become jealous, we lose sight of how faithful the Lord is. And we start trying to self-fulfill things in our lives. And we start to take control of them so that we are viewed better. You know, and you'll see in this story that the 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 jealousy was between the two sisters, the uh, Rachel and Leah, and what happened is they were jealous of each other, so they took matters into their own hands. We have to understand that if we try to take things into our own hands, well, it'll always lead to something that's not of the Lord. Because he's faithful. He's not just guessing up there. He knows what's best. He knows his timing. He knows what's going to happen before you even thought of, oh my gosh, what's about to happen? <laughs> he knows what's about to happen. He's faithful. He's sovereign. He is the ruler of all. He's ruling and reigning. And he uses the enemy as his footstool. So when it comes to our faith walks, I, I see this often in our in our um, churches of, well, that person, I want what that person carries. I want to remove that mentality where I want what the Lord wants. I want that. Not what that person carries, because then you'll just start doing really, really weird things. You know, there's this thing, I won't get into that. Christians do really, really weird things when they want to be taken seriously by man. Um, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what man thinks. Man isn't the one who is standing in front of you on judgment day asking you, hey, why'd you do this? God is. Uh, I think we should just more focus on what God wants to do instead of what we think man is thinking of us and what man will think of us and and all of these different things. I. At the end of the day, Samuel said it best a couple 
um, or I guess it was yesterday, he says, you know, guys, I don't give a damn what Lex thinks. <laughs> and all the guys were like, oh, my gosh. And I was like, heck, yeah, preach it. Why? Because I don't care. I don't care what you guys think of me. Samuel doesn't care what people think of him. All we should be concerned about is what God thinks. And I love the way Jacob um, takes care of his wife here. I believe it's the same way Jesus takes care of us. Jesus is faithful. He doesn't just retract love if we're not if we're not adding up to the way he if we're not adding up to the way that we should be. He doesn't retract love. He only gives love. He only loves. He's faithful. He doesn't just leave us by the wayside if things aren't falling into place. You know, he's he's the one who uh, has not has a hundred sheep and one and one one goes away. And he leaves the ninety nine to go find the one. He's faithful. Sometimes we feel like we're the one, and he's le and we see all the cool things that the ninety nine are doing, and because we're the one, we isolate ourselves and ostracize ourselves. And what Jesus is actually doing is saying, "Come back." Come back, I have the better way. I'll show you the better way. And he'll celebrate that because he's faithful. He is faithful. Awesome. Well, there's my uh, little message. I don't know how to close this without uh, you guys being in front of me. Um, but um, let me just pray for you guys and pray for myself. Lord, I, uh, I just pray that we would uh, understand this at a depth we don't have that we're not defined by our ability in you that we're defined by who we are in you and that our identity would um, would rise to the top and everything else would fall by the wayside not the identity that we think we are but the identity that you say we are uh, Lord so I pray that as we listen to this that you would download um, what you think of us not what we think of ourselves not not how we see our value, not where we see our value, but how you see us. Pray that you would download that to us. And I pray, Lord, that you would download that you are faithful, that you're not just guessing up there, that you know, and that you're faithful um, till the very, very end, that you're the Alpha and the Omega, and that everything that you've promised is going to come to fruition because you are faithful. We praise you for that, Lord. We thank you. And thank you again, Lord, for technology. We love you so much, and um, I, uh, I pray all this in your holy, holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Um, miss you guys already, and uh, we'll see you soon.